Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. There are a lot of guests here today. There are a lot of guests here every week at New Life. And one of the things that we realize is because we started New Life, for people that don't necessarily know about church or know about Jesus, and we want you to come and find out. And and the thing is, once you find out about Jesus, then you want to become like him. I mean, that's our goal. Once we know Jesus, we want to become like him. So messages can't always be, you need to come to know Jesus. You need to come to know Jesus, because we all need to come to know Jesus, but what then? So this series, these first four weeks of January, has really been for, is for, people who already know Jesus. I'm just going to say that up front. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, we're glad you're here and we want you to be here because the principles that I'm sharing here in this series and that Pastor Brad shared last week, they're not just true if you're a Christian. They're true. And they will work in your life, whether you're a Christian or not. You see, I learned about five years ago this saying, I've never forgotten it, I never will forget it unless I get Alzheimer's, and here it is. It doesn't matter what you believe, it matters what's true. It doesn't matter what you believe, it matters what's true. If Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe and you don't believe that, it doesn't matter that you don't believe that if it's true. If if the principles I'm gonna talk about today are true, you might not believe them, they're still going to be true and they will still impact your life positively if you apply them. So, having said all of that, Here we are. We're in our third week of a four-week series called Generous Giving. And if you've been here the first couple weeks, you know that the first week, this is what we primarily talked about. We talked about how to be rich, not how to get rich. That's somebody else's seminar. We don't talk about that here. How to be rich because we already are. We talked about this. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. And I said during that message that if you made $37,000 in the past year as a family that you are wealthier than 96% of the people in the world. If you made $37,000 last year, you are wealthier than 96% of the people in the world, which by definition means that we're rich. And then last week, Pastor Brad, he had a big stack of money. If you were here, you remember that. And he said that we are not supposed to trust in or lean into our stack, but to trust in God. So we could summarize last week's message this way. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich, but I will not trust in my riches. I will trust in him who richly or who provides, richly provides, right? So here we're going to do today, we're going to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19 again. And this week's, we're going to consider this, the true measure of a person. And uh, actually, we could say we're going to talk about the true measure of a rich person because we already are, as we've established, rich. Whether it dawned on us yet or not, whether this is the first time we ever thought of it, we really are. So let's going to do, we're going to do something right now. It's going to really be fun for some of you. It's going to be a little scary for some of you. I'm going to tell you up front. We're going to stand up. There's going to be two questions on the screen, and you're going to go find somebody you don't know that well, which is pretty easy these days. Okay, find somebody you don't know that well and ask them this. What is the best financial advice you ever received, and did you take it? Okay, stand up. Let's go. Who do I not know so well? (laughs) 
Hi there, I don't know you at all. Okay, all right, we're having too much fun. Let's sit back down, please. Now, did anybody, did anybody's best financial advice you've ever received have anything to do with debt? Anybody? A lot of people. Did you take the advice? Okay. Um, did anybody's best financial advice have to do with investing? Anybody? Investing? Did you take the advice? Yeah? Huh? Okay. All right. The reason I had us do that, number one, is nobody um, has ever had that much fun in church before, I don't think, you know? Um, during a message, I mean, a lot of people sleep during messages. I don't like people to sleep during messages, so we, we do stuff that's interesting around here. Anyway, the reason I did it actually is this, because the Bible talks a lot about money. 2,000 verses are dealing with money in the Bible. And in fact, rich people are warned in the book of James because it's not easy to be rich and to follow Jesus. And then Jesus said this. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So that's another warning for rich people. And now we're going to go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 for the third time. And we know what he's talking about, that when we're rich, we need to live a certain way. So the point is... If we're rich, and we are, most of us, I know there are probably a handful of us in the room who aren't rich by that definition that we used, but most of us are. If we're rich, how are we going to do it well and effectively? So right now, I'm going to ask you to stand up one more time. We're going to read God's Word from 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19 aloud. Okay, let's read this together. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you will show us how we can live as rich people in a way that glorifies you and that takes seriously that this life isn't all there is. We pray that you'll show us how we can be rich in good deeds and generous with all we have. We pray that your spirit will work in each of our lives, that we can glorify you through them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And I'm not going to make you stand up again until the end of the message, okay? So, we're going to look at verse 18 today. It says, command them to do good. Notice it says, command them to do good. Most of the Bible tells us to be good. But here we're commanded to do good. And we're not just supposed, supposed to do average good. We're supposed to do rich people good. So, what does it mean to be rich in good deeds. That's what we're going to look at right now. This isn't a lady tripped and I helped her up. This isn't I saw a poor guy along the street and I gave him a dollar. This is how do I strategically invest my time and my life so that I can be rich in good works, good deeds, and so I can be generous with others. We're going to leverage 
We're going to leverage our time and our money the way rich people leverage their time and money to advance the kingdom of God. Now, God calls us to think and act differently than the world when it comes to this rich people stuff. We're going to see how differently when we look at today's take-home point. And if you're new here, we have one point. We call it the take-home point. We want you to take it home in your mind, your heart, your soul, and spirit and live it out in the coming week. And here it is. It is not what we have, but what we give that demonstrates our true worth. Now, that really is different from what the world thinks, isn't it? Because the world, if I said to you, if I'm a worldly person, I say, what's your true worth or your net worth? You would immediately say, well, I have these in, this in my savings account. I have these investments. I have this property. You add up the total. You subtract your debts, and you hope it's a positive number. If it's a positive number, then you are rich. Well, if it's a really big positive number, you would consider yourself rich, right? That's your net worth. But that's not what God talks about at all. What God talks about is how in the world do we do good and share what we have so that other people will know him and experience the power of his kingdom in their lives. So how do rich people do good deeds differently than average Christians? Here's the first way. Rich people have extra time. I don't know if you thought about that, but rich people often have days off work. They don't have to work seven days in a row. Rich people get a day off. Some get two days off. Some I know work like three 12-hour days, and then they get four days off. So there's time off. Rich people sometimes get vacation, time where they might get a week or two or three, whatever, off. And, and the interesting thing is, statistically, here in America, the less time a person has to do good deeds, the more good deeds they do. The more time a person has to do good deeds, the less good deeds they do. Now, why would that be? Well, one of the reasons is because rich people have more options of what we're going to do with our time. When a rich person gets an extra day off or an extra week off or extra couple weeks off, the first question might be, how can I fill up my extra time doing something I enjoy? How can I do something for me? That's often what we do. And at the end of 12 months, if we're rich, when we look back, were we rich in good deeds? What we'll say is, well, who has the time? I, I just didn't have any time to do it. But Paul says, you want to know how to be rich? Be rich in good deeds. So before we program all of our time for us, what we need to do, if we're going to be good at being rich in this present world, is we need to think, how am I going to invest my time in such a way that it'll produce a return for eternity? Have you ever noticed you might go to a movie and you go to the movie, and after the movie, you spent two or three hours in the movie and you go, oh, that was a pretty good movie, but I don't think I'd go see it again. You know, you go to a different restaurant, and you go, oh, that was a pretty good restaurant, but I don't think I'd go to that restaurant again. And sometimes you even go away on a week of vacation and you come back after a week of vacation and you go, that eh, was a pretty good vacation, but I don't think I'd do that again. And yet, if you take a half a day and you go invested in helping somebody who's truly in need, you never go at the end of that half a day, oh, I don't think I'd ever do that again. You go, oh, I feel so good. I, I, think, I think I ought to do that again. You feel like doing it again. So why don't we? Why is it that we feel so good when we do good, but we don't do so much good. It's because we aren't strategic. We don't plan ahead. There's always something else that we want to do with our time. And the same thing's true of money, isn't it? You know, I mean, if you had a little extra money, what would you do? And, and some of you have a list. In fact, if I told you right now, write down a list of everything you want to buy, 
that you haven't bought yet, I would be done preaching before you'd be done writing, right? You would have, I want a new TV, a new car, a new shoes, new this, new that. New. There's always something else to wear, to do, you know, to experience. And there's never enough money to do it. So we can always think of that next thing we're going to buy, but what about the next thing we're going to give? Have you ever done that? Have you ever heard a person say, I just naturally appreciate the finer things in life. You know, I, 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 can't, I can't drive a old car. i got to have a new one. I, I just I can't wear an old coat. I, gotta, I mean, it's out of style. I have to have a new one. You know something? Don't ever say that. Because nobody naturally appreciates the finer things in life. We just get our income level up to the point where we can have the, the finer things in life. It's not natural to spend everything we have. It's just selfish. That's what it is, according to scriptures. None of us needs a lesson in being selfish, do we? We all understand that. I mean, we come out of the womb saying what? It's mine. If it's yours, it's mine. I mean, really, two-year-old, it's, that's yours? No, it's mine. It's mine? It's mine. It's mine. Okay, so... What's true about giving time is also true about giving money. The richer we are in money, the less we give. The poorer we are in money, the more we give proportionally. Why is that? Well, Pastor Brad sort of touched on it last week. Remember the guy that had, you know, whenever he made $200, it was easy for him $20. When he made $2,000, it was easy for him to give $200. But then he became really rich and he couldn't give anymore. And so the pastor prayed for him, Lord, bring his salary back down to $2,000. Remember that? Well, that's what happens. When we don't have so much, it's easy to give, but when we have a lot, it becomes harder to give. So how do we learn to be rich in good deeds and generous with our money? This is probably the most important thing I'm gonna say. At the last service, I told you, my daughter, Emmy, has an iPhone, she has a MacBook, and she probably has a bunch of notebooks, but every time I uh, FaceTime her, she has stuff written on the back of her hand. Because she doesn't have what she needs to write. Well, if you don't have anything to write, write it on the back of your hand. Here it is. It's going to take a lot of your hand, I'll tell you. We must pre-decide, determine ahead to use our time and money to do good deeds. Do you see what I just said? We have to predetermine, decide ahead to how we're going to use our time and money. Because our natural tendency is to be spontaneous. You know, we see a commercial about starving children somewhere and we go, oh, I'm going to write a check for 20 bucks. Or somebody calls us up and says, did you hear about so-and-so, they have a need? We go, oh, I have the evening free, I'll go and help. That's spontaneous giving. And that's not how rich people do it. You see, that's giving leftovers. When we only give what's left, that's called leftovers, right? So who do we give leftovers? When it comes to food, who gets the leftovers? I do. You do. I mean, we come home some night and there's all these Tupperware containers out on the table, right? And there's a little bit of peas and a little bit of green beans and a little bit of chicken and a little bit of sloppy joes. And we're cleaning out the refrigerator. But when a guest comes, even if we're in the middle of that, we'll go, oh, we won't give a guest leftovers. Well, my brother Ken came yesterday, so I gave him leftovers. <laughs> but he's family. You know what I'm saying? I mean, somebody special but I did take them out to dinner last night after church. So, I mean, we made up for it. So the thing is, we treat our guests special. So then why do we give God and people in need leftovers? Well, it's a simple reason. It's because we didn't plan ahead. If we don't plan ahead, all we have left is leftovers. And you know, large churches work on planning ahead. I don't know if you've, I was, I've been at a church, the largest church I've ever been to had 30,000 people in the church, okay? Not at the one time, but all together. And it takes thousands of people 
predetermining to use their time in a certain way for those churches to work. Because you can't have 30,000 people and show up and say, is anybody going to give out the connections? Is anybody going to make coffee? Is anybody going to set up chairs? Is anybody going to do something? Everybody has to do something. Or somebody has to know that on the second weekend, it's going to be this couple. And on the third weekend, and, and somebody's going to do this and that. Well, that's how all effective churches work. And in case you didn't notice, this is sort of getting to be a large church. In fact, Statistically, New Life is now larger than 95% of churches in the United States. So we need people to not say, well, if I'm around, I might show up and do that. But we need people to consciously, intentionally say, you know, I have an extra two hours next Wednesday. Do you need anything done? And we need to then say, we sure do. You know, so that the thing is, rich people think and plan ahead how they're going to use their time and how they're going to use their money. So we need to, capital letters, bold print, quit being spontaneous in giving our time and our money. We need to predecide Because if we don't, we're going to look back on our lives and wonder where all the time and money went and nothing is going to have been done useful with it. So change doesn't happen through high-sounding promises made in crises. If we get a vacation... Let's say you have a vacation coming up this year, one week, two weeks, whatever. Are you going to sit down and pre-decide, am I going to spend 10% of my time doing mission work with that vacation time, 20%, maybe this year, 100%. We're just going to go on a mission trip this year with our vacation. You see, this year could be different. 2014 could be different for all of us if we predecide what to do. Rich people think and plan ahead. They invest their time and money, and only when we do that with the same organizations and the same mission causes over and over do we develop a sense of urgency. I mean, I have a sense of urgency about Cuba. This will be my fourth year of going there to teach pastors. And one of the things that's really cool is back in December, somebody came up to me after worship service and said, are you going to Cuba this year? I said, yes. And they said, how much is it going to cost to plant a church? Because you see, in the three years that we've been going, I've been going to Cuba, you all have been praying, you all have been giving money, you all have been bringing in baseballs and guitar strings and toothpaste and all this different stuff. And we've planted eight churches in the last three years because people predecided what to do with their money. But he said, how much is it going to cost this year to plant a church? And I said, well, it's going to cost $6,000. And he said, well, I'm going to plant a church. He said, I got a year-end bonus thing, and I want, to, I want to decide now to use that money for end of February. You see, that's what rich people do. And I'm going to get to go to Cuba, and I'm going to get to look a church planner right square in the eye, and I'm going to say, guess what? You get to have a building. You get to have a property. You get to have a place where you can come anytime you want to and worship God and serve God, and we know what that's like, don't we? Because last year at this time, we didn't have that. And this year at this time, we do. So whenever somebody has time and money extra, the first thing we do is think about how am I going to use it? We don't want to be random and spontaneous. I'm not saying never do that. Of course, rich people do random, spontaneous things. But rich people plan ahead. We plan ahead what to do. It means that we're going to be intentional so that at the end of 2014, we're going to look back and we're going to go, wow, I can't even believe how much time I invested in helping other people in Jesus' name. I can't even believe how much money I was able to invest in advancing the kingdom of God. If we're not strategic, here's what's going to happen. We're going to look back in 10 years, 2024, 
if Jesus doesn't come back, you know. Ten years, we're going to look back and we're going to say, man, I went to some really good movies and I went to some really average movies and some really bad movies. I went to some really good restaurants and some really average restaurants and some really bad restaurants. I went on some really good vacations and some really average vacations and some really terrible vacations. And all I did was spend money. And I don't have anything eternal to show for it. Or we can start right now being strategic and we can look back 10 years from now and go, oh my goodness. It's amazing how much we participated in advancing the kingdom of God. You see, if we don't have anything to show for what we have in time and money 10 years from now, we will have to say this, I didn't know how to be rich, I just knew how to be selfish. Aren't you feeling great that you came to church to get, you know, sort of put down today? No, that's not the point. Paul is telling us we need to understand when we're rich, how to be rich, how to live in this world in such a way that we're rich in good deeds and generous with our time and with our money. And rich people, not just are intentional with their time, but also with their money. So here's a statement for our money. We need to start giving a percentage of our money to invest in building the kingdom of God. That's how rich people do it. They take a percentage off the top. You know, the Bible talks about the tithe, 10%. We talked about that the first week. And 10%'s a good starting place. But we might say, sit down and say, okay, I'm gonna give 10% to the work of God in and through new life or in and through some other mission or ministry, whatever. And, and then maybe if I get a bonus... I could actually plant a church in Cuba. If I get a bonus, I could buy 10 bicycles. I, I use this illustration in the first two services. Aunt Susie comes to visit, and she says, I just love you all so much, I'm going to give you $500. And I just said that, and some of you went, $500, I'm going to go buy. That's a natural thing. I'm going to go buy. But what if you got $500 from Aunt Susie and said, I can buy 10 bicycles and no, yeah, 10 bicycles for $500. And 10 Cuban mission church people will not have to walk 7 or 12 or 15 miles a day to their mission. They'll be able to ride a bicycle. And trust me, it's a lot easier to ride a bicycle 10 miles than it is to walk. You see, so we start to think, if I get a bonus this year, I mean, some of you are going to get a tax re to refund in April. Some of you already spent it. And actually, I see on commercials all the time, you know what, these car dealers, they're saying, if you just bring your W-2 to us, we'll tell you how much you're going to get back, and we'll sell you a car based on that. So you can spend your money before you get it. How about this? Everybody at New Life says, whatever I get from my tax refund this year, we're going to put it towards the Christian Nurture and Center and Gymnasium so that we can help our children have a better opportunity from birth till, you know, high school into college of knowing Jesus Christ and serving him. I think that would be a much, much better way of living as a rich person than the other. Okay, so some of you in the room have been here all three weeks, and you've been smiling. You've been saying, I've been giving 10% since I was eight years old. I'm good. Well, wait a minute. Is 10% the, the top like, limit that you can give? You know, how many things are you doing exactly the same as when you were eight years old? Maybe it's time to grow a little bit in that area too. You see, because maybe 15% or 20% as, as our income goes up, what usually happens in America is our expenditures go up. But what if our income went up, we kept our expenditures the same, and we just gave more and more and more and more? That would be like living like a rich person for God. We want to be generous givers because that's how rich people are. And more importantly, it's because how God wants us to be. Now, I want you to picture something. I want you to think of somebody you know who hates church. Anybody know anybody? Don't raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. 
We all do, right? I'm never going to, and all they want is your money. Heard that? They're all a bunch of hypocrites, right? Why? Why do they say that? Because we are. Okay, that was really mean, wasn't it? We are. I mean, all of us are hypocritical at times, aren't we? But here's the thing. Think about this. What if every person at New Life for the next 10 years gives our time and our money like rich people, like we're talking about here this morning? 10 years from now, we go around in this community and we ask people, what are Christians like? You know what's going to happen? They're going to say, well, I don't know what all Christians are like, but those ones from New Life, man, they're so generous. I was in trouble and they helped me out. You know, that's an interesting thing because if we were helping people out, I bet you even atheists would love us. Isn't it true? You see, because people don't always believe what we say, but they always believe what we do. Our children don't always believe what we say, but they always believe what we do, right? So if we become the, the most giving, loving people, speaking the truth in love and giving generous people, pretty soon... Well, it's pretty much already like that. Um, we're not going to have room for people. You see, because people understand something. God is love. You see, God so loved the world. John 3, 16, everybody knows it. God so loved the world that he gave leftovers. Oh, no, that's not how it goes. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine that. He gave everything. I mean, he gave himself because there's only one God in three persons. He gave it all. God so loved the world, he didn't give leftovers. He gave it all to us. And so here's the commitment for today. I will be generous in every area of my life this week. Would you say that with me, please? I will be generous in every area of my life this week. You see, God has blessed us with more than we need, so we're rich. But we're not going to trust in our riches because we know that God is the only one who's always there, the one who really loves us, the one who really cares about us, and we're going to be generous with what we have because that's how God is. And here's what's going to happen. Someday, it might be next week, it might be next month, it might be next year, but someday, somebody's going to come up to you and they're going to say, why are you so generous? Nobody's like that. And you're going to say, well, because I serve a God who's generous. He gave everything for me, and so I just want to give back. And they're going to go, well, tell me about that, God, because I don't think I've heard about him. Well, they probably have, but they haven't experienced him. And we can give them that experience. In fact, last night, where we went was the bistro over there on, uh, I forget, it's on Dinner Bell Road. Anyway, we used the bistro for the pizzas on New Year's Eve. And some of you know that you're here, but we had the New Year's Eve party. And when the pizzas came, we had taken up an offering, and we gave the lady $317 tip. So the owner of the bistro came over to me last night, and she, he said, I just want you to know, because I couldn't really tell that it impacted this. I mean, when I gave her that $317, I was like, hmm, she didn't seem like she appreciated it. But he said, you can't believe what an impact that had on her. And I just want to say thank you. You see, whenever they think of new life, they think of new life. That's pretty cool. So the more we do things like that intentionally, that's the key, intentionally. The more we do things like that, the more people are going to come to know the love and truth of Jesus Christ. And that's really why we exist. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you that you didn't give us leftovers, but you gave us the best. And today I pray that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit, that all that we are, 
and all that we do will be generous. I pray, God, that we will enjoy giving more than we've ever enjoyed spending. And I pray that we will enjoy giving of our time more than we've ever enjoyed taking time for ourselves. And God, I pray that as we leave this place today, even today, that someone will know your love and your life because of what we do in being rich in good deeds and generous with all we have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.